ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. everyone, and welcome to episode eight of the Soulful MBA podcast. I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hi, everybody. Hello. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And today's topic is all about ambition. Big, big topic. It's actually a topic that I think about every single day in my life and in my business life. It's something that is kind of constantly there in the background for me. Um, Ambition is sort of one of my Like it's attached to one of my core values, at least. So I think today's talk is going to be really interesting. And the one of the reasons we're talking about ambition, I should just say, is because Sandy actually sent me an article or a series of articles from the Atlantic Monthly from December of 2016, all about women and ambition and women and success. And so that those articles are largely going to inform our conversation here today. Sandy, how did you even find this article? I, you know what? Good old Google. I just, we knew we had this topic chosen and Mm -hmm. I wanted to sound intelligent. And so I just (laughs) wanted to see what was out there and I came across it and it was like, this was, it was amazing. And it was like, a wasn't just one article, it was a series of articles. And it was just like so poignant. It was just, you know, perfect for us. So I just forwarded it to you. Yeah. It's, it's really powerful. And Actually, we should pro- we'll link in the show notes to you know where you can find this. The articles are all available for free. The whole series is, and it's looking at the ambition in women after college. And it's it's really interesting because the article was co-written by two women who are in their forties, and they were in the same sorority at Northwestern. And I guess sororities at Northwestern were like not party sororities and more academic sororities. So they were in this like very this like cohort of very ambitious women in college, all of whom had really big goals for themselves and their careers. And anyway, these women decided to go back and find out what happened to their classmates um, many, many years later and see whether that ambition still tracked. And and so the premise is really fascinating. What they uncovered was really interesting. And of course, there's a split. Like there are people who were super ambitious still and people who were, were sort, uh, sort of a little ambitious and trying to balance motherhood or parenthood and ambition. And then there was people who sort of fell off of the ambition wagon in a way. And um, anyway, highly recommend the article. But there's a few things from these articles that we wanted to tease out, I think, that resonate with each of us. And I think ambition is something is a topic that's not talked about very often in the wellness space. And it's, it's also kind of a taboo topic for women to discuss in general. And I, th- I think that, so that, you know, that's a big part of why we want to talk about it today, just to take away part of that taboo and, you know, to kind of own our own ambitions publicly here in the space and, and allow all of you to do the same. Um, so can, yeah. can we, Jenny, can we just talk about that word ambition, the definition of it? Because when we, when you yeah. first, um, suggested this topic, I was like, ugh, really? Mm-hmm. Ambition. Like, I, it's not a word I'd use. It's not a word that I even associate myself with. So it's interesting that you say that, that you think about it every day. Oh, yeah, I totally um, do. <laughs> to me, it has such a negative um, mm-hmm. connotation to it. And it's like House of Cards, that that's ambition, yeah. you know, like you do anything and everything and you plow over whoever to get what you want. And that's, that's why I don't identify with it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a generally a female thing or just me, but it's not, 
a word like I have goals and I have drive and I have determination, which are all kind of the defining points of ambition, but I don't see myself as ambitious. But yet when I look at the definition, I'm like, oh yeah, I am that. Yeah, you totally are that. <laughs> yeah. But so in this article, the the authors talk about the dictionary definition of ambition as being an ardent desire for risk, fame, or power. And I think that like, that's a really stark way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what, what most of us, you know, in pop culture associate ambition as being like people who are like clinging on to power Cold. and climbing over other people to, to accomplish their goals. Basically what you just described or people right. who want to be famous and who move to Hollywood and they're going to become famous at like any cost and reality TV stars or whatever. I don't associate. <laughs> I'll just tell yeah. you like for me, like that is a very masculine, masculine definition right. of ambition. And it's just funny that the dictionary definition is the masculine version, right? Like to me, I've been so ambitious my entire life and it's been this desire to have impact though. It's like this, it's like that fierce desire, the same thing that these other people have towards fame or money or something. But I have that same fierce desire to create impact in the world. And to me, that's my version of ambition. But it's it's that. But it, I think it comes from that same place. Like it's a it's a core part of who I am. And I couldn't you know, I couldn't be me or couldn't be happy with my life if I didn't have that mm-hmm. drive. Like it's it's a drive and it's waking up every day trying to be my best and you know all that kind of stuff. So that's also for me with ambition. But I think it, for our audience if we if we said, you know, do you have that strong desire? Do you have that super, you know, big passion about something? They'd say yes, yes, yes. And then that's that's the 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 definition of ambition, but it's just, I don't think it's a word that females use, but yeah, most of them, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting, but a lot of our clients in the wellness space, that's what, that's what they get up for too, is to have impact in people's lives, to make people healthier, happier, stronger, you know, better human beings out there in the world. So, yeah. I mean, I think the people who are listening here, I mean, like, I think there are lots of people for whom ambition is not a big part of their lives, including wellness professionals and including people in business. I I mean, I personally feel like if you want to be an entrepreneur of any sort, then you need to have a certain level of ambition. I mean, it's just, it has to be part of who you are. Like you have to have something internally driving you if you want to, to do something extremely impactful in the world, like you, you just do because there's no external force that can, that can incite Mm -hmm. that in you. Like it, it, it's just not possible. And another thing that's talked about in this article is just like the, for, in, in respect to the definition is that you'll know it when you see it, (laughs) you know, it's just Mm -hmm. this idea that it's this like amorphous concept of, of like power, like striving towards power. And there's no real way to talk about it. But you just, if you see someone who has it, you know, like instantly Mm -hmm. we all know, like in different jobs we've had or in school or college or whatever, you knew when somebody was ambitious. So I, I mean, I think that to some extent that's also true, but I, you know, part of why I also want to talk about this is um, is related to another concept called the imposter syndrome. And we haven't talked about this in the podcast yet. It's something that comes up a lot. Now I see it all over in like the online entrepreneurship space where people talk about imposter syndrome. Um, and I'm not a psycholo- psychologist or social psychologist of any kind. How do, are you familiar with that term, Sandy? Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like we all kind of yeah, know I think, what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if those, for those of you who are listening who don't, it's just this sense that, um, you, you can feel like you don't belong when you're around people who are powerful or if you're, if you're doing something 
that is remarkable or you're, you know, in an institution that's remarkable and you feel like you somehow got there by mistake or somehow you don't belong. Like that's, that's the simplest way of describing imposter syndrome. And I think a lot of people have imposter syndrome who are, who are entrepreneurs and who are, you know, rising to any level of power in what they do, especially, um, women. So I think it's worth noting that, um, you know, you can be both ambitious and also still suffer from this kind of delusion that you don't belong. Yeah, no, that's probably a, a really strong point, a really good point. Yeah. And I mean, again, we, we're not experts on imposter syndrome. It's worth looking into. But if you feel like, hey, I don't know if I'm really cut out for this, you know, have a look into that topic and see if that resonates with you. I know when I was in graduate school, that's when I first learned about it because I actually I mean, every, like, I guess everyone felt that way. But I was in an Ivy League school. I was like first generation to go to college, did not feel like I was in, in many ways worthy of being there, even though like there's part of me, my ambitious brain felt like, hell yeah, I belong here. And then there's this other part of me that felt like, well, who are you to be here? Um, and I just remember a classmate kind of pulled me aside and she said, Hey, I'm feeling this way. And I said, Hey, I'm feeling this way too. And she said, Hey, I found out there's this thing called imposter syndrome and Mm -hmm. here's an academic paper about it. I think we have this. And it just, that's at least that was my first learning of it, you know, like a dozen years ago. So for what it's worth, I like really, really thought I, you know, I really, really felt like I didn't belong. So, um, you know, you're not alone if that's how you're feeling as, as an entrepreneur and as a small business owner and as someone looking to build something new in the world, I think it's really common to feel that way. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. Do you want to talk about what your sort of first, your strongest takeaway from that article? That particular. Yeah. I mean, I, so my strongest takeaway from reading about all these women, like, I I mean, I took away the fact that there was some amount of waning of ambition for some people, um, who set out to like really, you know, be kind of at the, at the forefront of an industry, you know, while they were young and then, and then life circumstances happened and they, that, and those goals changed. Um, there are some people for whom that never changed and other people for whom it did. And I think that the biggest takeaway for me is just that you can, you can be ambitious, but ambition for what the outcome of an ambitious life looks like that can change over time. And it doesn't mean you're any less ambitious. I think that that's like what I mm-hmm. related to. And I don't know if that's what you related to. Yeah, also, no, Sandy. it was that the, 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 how ambition redefines itself as you enter different phases of your life. Yeah, exactly. Like when you're like, when you're having children they're like what it means to be an ambitious person changes, right? Like you can be incredibly ambitious about like, you know, like the way you take care of your infant, right? Like you can be an incredibly driven, caring parent that's singularly focused on child rearing, right? Rather than your career. And it doesn't mean you're less ambitious. And there's all these examples in the article about people who are like, yeah, I chose to stay home with my children, but I also like, you know, run two nonprofits, sit on three boards and train for like ultra marathon trail races, right? Like there's, right. <laughs> like they're still ambitious. They're still ambitious. And, and like owning that that's still 
valuable, right? That as like, or to, even in their own mindset that that's, that's okay to change. It's like, okay to change your yeah. mind. <laughs> and whatever you were aiming for, there's a realization that maybe that's not actually what you wanted. Yeah, that's right. It's not what you thought it was going to be. And so you switch, you switch roads and you take another path and you're mm-hmm. just, you know, there's no shame in that. It's just a different a different way to go and you're still equally ambitious. I read um another article, Jenny, that we should link to as well in um it was originally written in Time. And it said that women aren't less ambitious. They're unable to commit to a structure that was set up for fifty percent of the population. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that that was really they didn't say those words in those articles, that series of articles, but it's like this just isn't working. Right. It's just sure. This just isn't working. Yeah. I mean, I think this idea that you have to fit into this definition of traditional definition of career success is obviously like you can't look at that without realizing that that's a gendered idea already of what success is. And, and that like, for example, there's a lot of, there's quite a number of lawyers who are in this case study in this, this series of articles that are talked about. And, and I, I mean, I, my ears perk up whenever I read about attorneys, just because of my own experience being one and understanding um, ambition related to being a lawyer. But but for lawyers, part making partner being partner is a really big deal for anyone who goes into like private sector big law firm life. And so many women will get to the point of partnership, like making partner um, when they're at child rearing age, like having young children, and so many of these women make a choice at that stage. Like, actually I want to not be partner and I want to scale back my work hours or I want to work, you know, 80% time, or I want to choose just to work 40 hours a week and not be partner so that I can, you know, be home with my kids when they're sick. And so I think that to me, it just made me remember like those definitions that we have of success in any career, like the, if you're going to have a family, the reason why you can do that and still reach those levels of success are be, it's, it's because you have help, right? Like often in our culture for the last 50 years, it's been because there's another spouse at home doing a lot of other work so that, you know, one person can rise to that level of career success. That is the only way that that works. Um, unless, you know, whatever nannies, lots of really expensive uh-huh. full-time nannies are possible. But I mean, there, there's, uh-huh there are hidden costs and externalities associated with that kind of level of traditional career success um, that I think is, you know, we always need to remember to acknowledge. And, and I would say, you know, for us in our, in this industry, in the wellness space, like so many people in this space have come from other careers, right? Like people don't just like grow up. Well, we do. We have quite a few clients actually who are really young, young women and young men who, who went into wellness straight away, but that's not the typical case. Most of our clients were, you know, we have people who were doctors and lawyers and chefs and, you know, like any possible career trajectory, professional trajectory you can imagine who are now yoga teachers or who opened a bar studio or whatever, right? Because they realized that there was on that, that existing like success trajectory there, they weren't finding the meaning they were looking for, the balance they were looking for. And the flexibility yeah. they were looking for, right? Yeah. So I don't know, but but I think it's really, I, I don't know. It's so interesting to me to see that, you know, this definition in a way of ambition, even though 
we've seen all these changes manifest in our culture and with these these clients we work with that this this definition hasn't actually changed in the mainstream culture and in the dictionary and another thing that i read recently was from a, a founder of a web-based employment company and she's she's saying that she thinks the word ambition is now being replaced with entrepreneurship huh. interesting that she yeah, like she's saying that people don't come into her office and go, you know what, I'm really, really ambitious. They, they come in and say, I've got this entrepreneurial part of me or spirit mm-hmm. that I want to go explore. Mm-hmm. So she thinks that that word, those words are kind of swapping, which I thought was really interesting because that's what a lot of our clients do, right? Like they have something, like they're in a career and as their sort of side hustle, they're exploring this whole entrepreneurial thing, yeah. which is very ambitious, right? Yeah. But it's maybe not a comfortable word. And, and I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting, an interesting point. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. I mean, it also just to me illustrates that traditional like corporate ladder or career trajectories are not appealing to people who have ambition the same way that maybe they used to. Like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine wanting to be the CEO of Pepsi. You know, like, I don't even know anything about Pepsi, but like, that's just an example. Like, I am, a, I, again, think of myself as a really ambitious person. And when I was younger, I wanted to be a U.S. senator. <laughs> Who knows what somebody's <laughs> going to write in iTunes because I just said that. But like, I was, I mean, I've been like this since like I was a, a very small child. Like, I've had a huge plan and agenda. And I had like very specific goals and like I, to the point that I didn't do certain things in my younger years, because I I was like, well, if this gets uncovered in my Senate race, I mean, I actually (laughs) thought about that. Like, like we're just Friday night being totally honest. Like I I'm that person. Right. And then as soon as I went to work for Congress and I was in DC and I was, and I like, I, I mean, I was definitely enamored by power and intrigue and like power, like I guess if you had to look at one of these traditional ambition definitions, power more than fame and money is attractive to mm-hmm. me. You know, I was interested again in having like influence and impact. So power is there. But I was like, I don't ever, ever want to run for office like this. And maybe I'll change my mind again one day, but I don't want my to put my family through this. I don't want to have to dress like this every day in a clown suit. Like I don't want, I don't want to censor my life anymore because one day I, I, I have ambitions to do this thing. Like, I don't want that to be the, the one thing that, that shades my entire life. And I don't want to have to choose where I live and how I live and what I eat and, and who I'm employ. Like I, just, just having your life under a microscope like that just made it, I just found the whole thing like really, I mean, I was sort of shocked at my own decision to, to walk away from that world of power in favor of other things and in favor of like more creative freedom and the willing, the ability to speak my mind and not care about whether it offended someone and et cetera, et cetera. I don't know why anyone runs for, I mean, it's, I mean, thank God this, there are people that do it, but I have no, I've always wondered. And you know, you see them like our prime minister from year one to year four, they look like an entirely different person. Like why does one put, put themselves through that? And it's, you know, for the greater good. And I, 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 I don't know. I just struggle with understanding why anyone would do it. But I mean, I understand. I understand the positive part and why they would want to. But but I have a harder time now understanding how you're willing to give up all of the things that you have to give up in order to have that benefit. Right. So I still am drawn to the benefit of it, but not drawn to what I would have to give up. And it's just I think also as you get older, at least for me, like I've gotten more 
I don't want to say selfish, but I've, I've gotten like more self-protective, you know, and I think that's healthy. Like it's healthy right. to protect yourself. So, so you have to do that. It's the whole, like, take care of yourself so you can take care of other people thing. I think no matter how ambitious I was for power or wealth or fame or whatever, if I, if it meant I had to give up like a really rewarding personal life, that yeah. that's the deal breaker. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and, and I get that now, but, but I think I also see why people w- would do it, but I, but I think as you get older and especially as a female where those mm-hmm. choice, those choices end up becoming a lot harder because what yes. you have to give up is something potentially really, really precious. So it's motherhood. Mm-hmm. It's like real true partnership. It's having a creative life and time for friends. Like there's a lot of things that are to me like sacred that, that you mm-hmm. can't really give yourself to um, when you're giving yourself to your ambition that way. So um, anyway, I mean, I, I think most people probably listening are, are not drawn to that, that brand of ambition. But I think that it's worth thinking about like how ambitious you actually are. And if you're not, if you don't consider yourself ambitious, why? Because obviously Sandy, you didn't, but, but I look at you and I think you're, you know, actually, you know what, here, here, let's, let me describe it this way. When I first met you and we've talked about that story in episode one of this podcast, um, when I first met you and I was describing you to Nate, who's my husband, I said, I met this amazing person. She's the only person I've met in this new world of mine, this sort of like online entrepreneurship world who is as ambitious as I am. <laughs> That's really? actually how I described That's so you. That's funny. Yeah. That's so funny. And I was thinking about those those early days when we took that course that we keep referring to that, that taught us how to build a, a business and software. Yeah. That was probably my most ambitious time because huh. it was so new and so foreign to me, this whole technology software business, that I was so driven to figure this out and succeed, partly because they dangled a prize in front of us that if if you had paying customers in six months, you know, there would be a certain trip and so on, which and they ended up changing it. So it didn't even happen. But uh, th- that just drove me like yeah. I just I just wanted this so badly. Yeah, right. And I know yeah, you were in the same yes. in the same. So I, I guess but I just I would I would have called that drive or perseverance or something, but I just wouldn't use the word ambitious because I don't know. There's a great quote by, I think it's um, Salvador Dali that says intelligence uh, without ambition is a bird without wings. Have you heard that? Yeah. No. Or ambition is the path to success. But but I'm intrigued by it. Yeah. So I thought that was a really neat way to say you can be really intelligent about it, but if you have no drive, no ambition. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just, where does it go? It's, yeah. It's flat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think that's important and I think it's important to sort of acknowledge your own, you're just like your own evaluate and acknowledge your own level of ambition. I mean, I, I think like the, I don't know. I saw you in these articles, right? Like I see you in this mm. the same way I see myself. And I, I think whenever we think of a word, like, so say your reaction initially, Sandy to ambition was like, Ooh, yuck. I, I don't even want, mm-hmm. I don't think of that. I don't, I don't like anything to do with it. I think it's worth taking a minute to evaluate why you have that reaction, you know, and what are you like blocking off? You know, what are you not allowing yourself to see in yourself potentially there? Cause to have a really strong negative reaction to something, there's more, there's something, there's a story there that's going on. Sure. It's called Kevin Spacey in house of cards. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the negative reaction. It's like, I will not be that person. Yeah. Right. And it's very, you know, it's very driven by 
pop culture and movies and TV and, and so on with that, those that's, it's a great story, right? It's a great fictional story for these. I don't, well, I think maybe it's nonfiction sometimes too, but it's just not me. So I think that's really honestly where that comes mm-hmm. from. But um, yeah, no, I since reading all this and doing all this research, I would absolutely say that I am, I am ambitious now. Yeah. But I'd be curious for our listeners if they have the same reaction or if they would describe, if that's a word they would describe themselves with. Yeah, no, I mean, I think probably not. My guess is not. Well, I'd love yeah, to hear about so. it in, you know, in the comments to the to the podcast on the on our website. I'd love to hear about it in our Facebook group, Soulful MBA. And I also will say a book, if, if you're interested in sort of exploring these ideas, especially from a female perspective, I mean, I think part of the reason that this topic is important to me is because I loved Tara Sophia Moore's book, Plain Big. And if you haven't read that book and you are a woman in business, I highly recommend that you just download it to your Kindle right now or like order it on Amazon or something, because I just remember weeping, like reading that book on an airplane on a business trip and just like literally weeping as I was reading it because it resonated with me so much. And I found it so important. And actually she has done a few speaking towards and I, I made sure I went to see her. She was speaking at Google recently and I and she was giving a free talk there for women in tech. And I went and saw her and she was just equally lovely in person. And I, I, so I asked her a question. So she's, she's a a woman who coaches women on kind of leadership and owning their power and their, in their careers and in their lives. And, um, and I asked her this question that haunts me about this topic, sort of of ambition and power and drive. And I, and I, cause for me, what's hard is the relationship between that and then also humility, which is, which is also really mm-hmm. important to me. Um, and I, I just said basically like, so how do you balance this? Like, how do you balance this idea of being really powerful and also very humble, you know, and, and her response I've written a bit about, and I can link to that her response to me was, was lovely. And it was just essentially that you can, you know, you can be extremely strong and still be humble. And that being humble is in in many ways, like a form of power and strength and leadership. And which is true, which is like absolutely true, but, but I'm still a little bit vexed by this. It doesn't totally answer it for me, but, but her response was lovely. And I, I think that, um, that my, I think my perspective on this is probably what a lot of people feel, which is what I think you are feeling. Like you, you want to be extremely powerful. You want to own your power. Like it's, it's your voice. It's important. You want to have an impact in the world and yet you still want to be, I don't want to be an asshole. You don't want to be an asshole. And you also, you, I, I mean, at least for me, I want to acknowledge that I'm not all powerful at the same time, right? That there's grace, that there are things that are our circumstances, I don't understand. Like, you know, I, I think there's a lot that I don't know. And so me standing here on a soapbox and saying what it is, like how it should be, like there's, there's always that pause or that hesitation because I know there's so much I don't know, right? Intellectually, spiritually, whatever. Mm-hmm. I, there's just a lot I don't know. And how do you reconcile being a force of nature and also acknowledging that the fact that you're not God. Right. So, I mean, for lack of a better way of talking about it, like that is a really challenging, I think, position to have. So in a balance to strike. And, and I will also say, I asked the same question to Seth Godin 
um, if for what it's worth, who's like obviously not a woman writing about women and owning power, but he again is a mentor and a hero to me. And he basically said, using the God word again, he basically said, your, your job is to be humble before God and to own your power before people, like to people, like mm, your humility is to something higher than you. Your humility is not to the people around you. Like when mm-hmm. you have something important to say and to share and to build and create, like you can't use humility as a tool to hide behind in that. And so again, it's, it's actually quite, and that's the playing, playing big point that, that yeah. Tara Sophia Moore is making. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's very similar. And so I, I mean, maybe these two brilliant people like <laughs> are onto something, right. Cause they yeah. both sort of said the same thing. And I, you know, it's like two years apart. I think that I asked them these questions, both people I admire whose books I read, right. That I, and I, I'm still like, wait, what about this, this one thing? And, um, anyway, so that's, that's something I, I hope that maybe, maybe those st- stories will resonate with someone else as well. Because I think that you can have both and it's a delicate balance and you've got to kind of figure out what that is for yourself. And I also think like owning your power and your ambition and your drive comes with responsibility, right? Like you don't want to blindly go, you know, like go do something and, and take over and be aggressive, right? Unnecessarily. Like I I think part of part of your role is channeling that ambition in a responsible way. So like learning a lot about what you're trying to take on and, you know, doing it from an educated perspective and, and like being prepared and doing your homework and, you know, not using that as an excuse, but also like not just blindly saying like, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm going to take over or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and being open yeah. to others' opinions and other ways yeah. of, which is, which is the humility part, right? Yeah. Like just yeah. stopping up, stopping and listening and learning from others and not pretending, you know, everything and, yeah. Big old power trip. I think that's that's a hundred percent right. And you know, there was another book we wanted to talk about. Like, I mean, I I think we intentionally are not going to get into Sheryl Sandberg in this conversation. Um, there's enough people who've written and talked a lot about Lean In. Like, it's it's a little bit controversial. And I also don't. I mean, I think some of these other pieces are to me more relevant because we're not talking about climbing a corporate career ladder. Um, so, but I mean, if you haven't read lean in, I think, and you're interested in the, these topics, you should read it just so that you have that background based knowledge yeah, in, it's cult- def- in definitely our culture for the, for the corporate, more for the yeah. corporate world though. But so these are actually our hustles. We're going to jump right into our joy and hustle then. Right. So these two books are the hustle for the week. Yeah. So one is playing big, which is, we've t- been talking about for a while. So Tara, Sophia Moore's book, playing big. And I highly recommend you download the audiobook version of this book. Um, mm. because she reads it and it's just lovely to hear someone teaching who's also reading and, the book. And she also, I just want to add another point to her book. It's just, it's just not talking. It's also like how to implement this in your yeah, life. Right. Like that was what was really different in her book for me was like, she actually gave you tools and visualizations to kind of step into that power and lead with purpose. Mm-hmm. And, um, it wasn't just sort of all heady theory and stories. And the other book is called Unfinished Business by Anne-Marie Slaughter, who did a very controversial article a couple years ago, I think, yeah. again in The Atlantic, called Why Women Still Can't Get What They Want. Yeah, it's sort of, I think her work is in a way a response to Sheryl Sandberg's work publicly. Yeah. 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 And 
and there's a quote from that book that I think is worth talking about where she says the assumption that women are dropping out because of a lack of drive or ambition rests on the deeper assumption that these women could have high flying careers if they just wanted them badly enough. Right. Oof, 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 oof. So yeah, so that's sort of, I mean, that's sort of in opposition to Lenin, but also sort of to playing big too. And uh, yeah, I mean, her, her book is highly worth a read and her work, her work. I mean, maybe start with her article is, is worth a look to and just sort of figuring out where you, if, where, and if you see yourselves in what these women are writing about. Okay. And then our hustle. Joy. Joy. Yeah. Those are hustle. Are those hustle? Those are hustle. Two hustles. Oh yeah. The joy. It's hard. Our hustle and joy sort of blend together at this stage of our lives. I don't know. We do our best to sort of decide one is slightly more businessy and one is more happy. I love that. The first one, the first episode we did Jamie Joseph rings. I know we need to like, like, that's like the one superfluous thing in my life. So I think I need a hobby, Sandy. We need to go back. You know, I actually, I'm reading about growing indoor sprouts so we can talk about that in another episode, like indoor salad gardening in the winter. I'm not, that's like my Only new, if I can talk about fermentation. Yeah. Right. One. So we'll, we're going to do some joy around fermentation and sprouting seeds eventually. Gut health. But everything else we do is hustle. So that's what you're going to learn. About. <laughs> yeah. We need to find more balance, but th- this, this week is a really good joy. I yeah, think it's yes. great. So joy. So I just thinking about ambition, I was thinking about like the balancing act. Um, and part of the, part of what is, is laid out in these Atlantic articles is, is about this group of women that were sort of trying to strike a balance between career and family. And it's again, really worth reading all these articles. And for me, balancing is, is an ongoing daily chore and task. I think for both of us, Sandy, like balancing being moms and I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) It is, it is the work that is the work like of my life. And um, anyway, Brene Brown has a new online course in her courage works platform on parenting And so I want to recommend that to folks because in between um, coding classes at night and recording podcasts and running a software company, I am taking parenting classes in order to try to be an even better mom to my little girl. And, um, and so the, I think the name of the course is the gifts of imperfect parenting, but there's one particular lesson or module in Brene Brown's program that I think resonates really well with this topic and it's on boundary setting and it's like a 20 minute lecture on boundary setting. And it is, I would have to say like the best possible thing I've learned as a parent and like from any class or book or something, I th- I'm sure maybe like sleep training books maybe were very useful at one point, but I like some have blocked all of that out of my brain, but bound it's, it's boundary setting. It's called boundary setting deep dive. And I don't even think you can buy it by yourself. I think you have to buy this whole like imperfect parenting course which is not, it's not terribly expensive, but this 20 minute lecture on boundary setting is worth it because it, it essentially, what Brene Brown teaches you is that setting boundaries with your teaching, like setting boundaries with your child is how you teach them to set, set boundaries for themselves. And, um, and I think boundaries are a really important thing when you're thinking about, um, ambition and balancing, your work with the rest of your life. So that's the joy for this week. I, again, highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, Sandy, you should take it also. It's really good. Yeah. I, well, I have another one of hers, the the wisdom of story with Brene Brown and Glennon Milton Doyle. Doyle Milton. 
Oh, I always do that. Sorry, Glennon. I'm sure you're listening to this. I apologize. I we love you, Glennon, episode. if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, it's you're great. And it's like $60, right? Like they're really reasonable yeah, it's courses. Reasonably and then yep. it's all video and it's they're just beautiful it's, to Well, see it is all video except for you're supposed to do these right. art classes and as part of it. Different. And I don't do the art classes because I don't have time and I will, but I only am watching the lectures right now and not but doing the art classes. Renee recommended really fantastic pens that you keep raving about. Oh my about. gosh. Okay. Let me just tell you. So we'll put that into it Of course, I, I'm ambitious. So when I <laughs> sign up for the class, I buy the list of suggested <laughs> materials instantly. Like I'm in school again and ordering my books for school. And the Pigma Micron pen, I have to tell you, is lovely. I was a huge fan of Le Pen for a really long time, which I also still love until they run out. So these, I think, are both pens made in Japan. Anyway, if if you're looking for a good pen, this is We've your pen. It. it is. It is. I will. I think I'm like hooked. I ordered a 20 pack, so I'm set forever now. And um, the Pigma Micron, and you can get it in different sizes and get the archival ink. It's the best. Oh so I God. learned that. You know, it's not even about balance or parenting or ambition. But hey, you got a pen recommendation. It's your bonus. We'll even link to it in the show notes. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, I loved it. I love this topic. I think it's an important one. And like we said earlier, I would really love to hear if this is a word that you define yourself by or resonate with. Tell us your stories about ambition, your feelings. Yeah. And we're, we're putting a thread into our Facebook group. So this topic ambition, just go into soulful MBA slash Facebook, go in there and find the ambition thread and let us know your thoughts. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba slash sample. Sample.